Technology and the Sea. Fascination Marine Technology. A podcast by Bärbel Fiening in cooperation with the German Association for Marine Technology, GMT. Welcome to this podcast episode. My name is Bärbel. I'm a journalist and in this podcast I regularly talk to men and women who are professionally involved with the sea. So far, these have been entrepreneurs who develop fascinating marine technology or scientists who research or develop special aspects. This episode is a very special one because today it's about how many men and women can support marine science without having to be scientists. But you do need a ship. This can be a private sailing ship, a cargo ship, a cruise ship, a ferry, a cutter, whatever. And wherever you are traveling with it, you should collect data. In a nutshell, that's the idea behind Soup, an innovation platform coordinated by Tosse Tanua. He's my guest today and I'm looking forward to learning a lot more about Soup from him. A warm welcome to Toste Tanua, chemist and oceanographer at Geoma Helmholtz Center for Ocean Research in Kiel. Welcome to this podcast, Toste. Good morning, Barbel. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to talk to you because you are the coordinator of a very special innovation platform, which is called Soup, Shaping an Ocean of Possibilities. We will find out what's behind this idea. But first, we want to get to know you a little bit. So I'm, I'm coming from Sweden. You can hear that maybe on my accent, even in, in English. I made my PhD and my studies in Göteborg in, in Sweden. I became a marine chemist. And after that, I took my sailboat and sailed to my postdoc in, in San Diego and spent three years living on a boat in San Diego before I came to, to Germany in 2002. So I've been living here for uh, more than 20 years now. So in your profession and in your free time, in your private life, it's all about the ocean? Not all the free time. I actually enjoy <laughs> doing many other things, but ocean is a very important part. I've been sailing since I was a kid. And I'm very interested in the ocean and, and science in general. And now the last years, I've been able to combine my interest as a sailor with my profession as an oceanographer, which I think is really interesting and uh, actually creates a lot of joy in my work. Lucky you, yes. And so will hopefully solve one of the biggest problems marine scientists have. And that's why you created this innovation platform. What is the biggest problem? Let's first talk about that. Yeah, let's talk about the problem. And the problem is that the ocean is vastly undersampled. We have way too little data on the ocean and particularly on how the ocean is changing now in view of climate change and heavy anthropogenic pressure as tourism and shipping and fishing and you name it. We have just very little data on understanding what is the impact of our actions on the ocean, health and the ecosystem, but also on how we can be more efficient in our operations at sea. For that, we need data that can feed in models so we have a better forecast of, of the currents and winds and temperature and acidity and oxygen level and all these things is, is, is stuff that we really need the database to initiate our forecast models. And, and if you like, in the future, we may have digital twins of the ocean 
and digital twins and models are just too good as the data that comes into that. And right now we have way too few data to do that in an efficient way for most areas. For most areas, there isn't a specific area where data is missing. Well, there are areas that we are very bad at, and Southern Ocean is, is a prime example. Southern Ocean is a re, you know, huge area, very important for ocean climate and weather. And because it's so remote, very few ships go there and very hard to operate robotics and platforms. So that is one area where we have few data. But I would say that in a few things like surface temperature, we have satellite data can you know monitor surface temperature pretty well globally, and we're doing pretty good at that. Satellites are providing a lot of data for surface variables, but the ocean is 3,800 meters deep on average, and the satellites don't provide much information on the interior ocean, and they don't provide much information about the chemistry and biology of the ocean. So therefore, we need what we call in-situ data, data that's sampled you know, on-site in the water. And why it is so crucial to have these data? If you want to understand the world, let's talk about climate change, for instance. The ocean is driving climate. It's the biggest storage of extra heat. More than 90% of the extra heat that we have due to climate warming is actually stored in the ocean. And if you do the calculation, interesting enough, it corresponds to if you detonate 10 or more than 10 Hiroshima-style nuclear bombs every second over 50 years. 10 bombs every second over 50 years. That is the amount of energy that we have stored in the ocean the last 50 years. Wow. It's just mind-boggling. And, and it's because the ocean is huge. It's 70% of the surface of the planet. And it takes a lot of energy to heat water. We all know that when we're starting to cook our coffee in the morning, right? It, it takes a lot of power to, to get that water to boil. So even if we just heat the ocean by, you know, a fraction of a degree Celsius, it's a huge amount of energy that goes into that. So we have developed system to monitor how the temperature or heat content, if you like, of the ocean is evolving. And we have some robotic system that are doing that pretty well. There are other areas such as the uptake of carbon dioxide. So about a quarter of the carbon dioxide that we emit to the atmosphere for burning of fossil fuel and the land use change is ending up in the ocean. So that is about 10 billion tons of carbon dioxide per year or more than that. This is a quarter of all the emissions worldwide that ends up in the ocean. So that is hugely important. If you want to understand how carbon dioxide evolves in the atmosphere, you have to understand what is the uptake of carbon dioxide by the ocean. And right now we have an uncertainty in that number of around 25 to 30%. And that uncertainty corresponds to the total carbon dioxide emission of the European Union. So that is the amount of uncertainty in that number, right? That's really huge. So we need to collect data. That's obvious. Isn't that the task of research vessels? It has been the task of research vessels for a long, long time. The last 20 years, we have developed robotics that can collect data. Some really great examples are the Argo floats that collect information about ocean heat content. 
by, you know, they are swimming around, floating around a thousand meters step and sink down to 2000 meters step once every 10 day and then go up to the surface. And when they come to the surface, they got the telephone out and send the data back home. That's how we know how much heat is, you know, been taken up by the ocean. But these two things don't really answer all the questions. We need more data and there are a lot of non-scientific assets or platforms, ships and stuff like that out on the water. And this is exactly what Swoop is, is aiming for. Let makes these platform be used as, as observing platforms. Are these ships on the oceans? All the ships, every container vessel, or, you know, if we can get uh, observing platform every 10th container vessel, that would be fantastic, right? But if we have a big fleet of ships, and not just container or bulk carriers, but also ferries and sailboats and offshore wind, maybe aquaculture farms, there are a lot of, you know, navigation buoys. You can have an instrument of a navigational buoy here, you know, and that is where we need to go because the ocean is so big and it's so vastly undersampled. So there is... The economic impact of using research vessels to collect all the data is, is mind-boggling. We couldn't do it. We don't have the manpower. But since a couple of decades, we've been able to develop sensoric uh, that are good enough. You know, uh, they're a little bit inexpensive. They lose yes, less power, and they can be operated uh, without a scientist. So marine tech, which is easy to use so that any person on the ships can collect data. That is one of the three pillars of SOUP, to work with the industry to make this sensoric. They are getting better, as I said, but they are still not good enough, right? We need to get them, you know, easier to use, you know, plug and play interoperable between different systems. We have it in common interface so when we talk to them and we receive data and they have to be even smaller, even cheaper, even less power consumption and, and all these attributes that we would like to have for them. And that's why we're working very closely with other industry partners to create that interface and that interaction with science to create this instrumentation that's going to be useful for non-scientific platforms to collect data. So that's the idea of SOUP. First of all, what stands SOUP for? So SOUP stands for Shaping an Ocean of Possibility for Science Industry Collaboration. And it is an innovation platform that is funded by the Helmholtz Association through the Ministry of Education and Research in, in Germany. And the idea is that everybody can help collecting data. Yes, the idea is that we develop the instrumentation and then everybody that have can some asset that is on the water can then contribute to collecting the data that we need to manage a sustainable ocean. Wow. So you cooperate with uh, companies who develop marine tech to uh, develop a device which is easy to use. You try to uh, motivate ship owners to uh, have this marine tech on board. And what do you do with all these data? So that is the third pillar of, of SOUP. So we make sure that the data are quality control and, and all these things. And we put the attribute of FAIR, that's findable, interoperable, reusable, and um, findable. So this is a technical attribute. We make sure that all the data that our SOAP partners are collecting is easy to access and free to access for anybody that needs these data. 
We've been using commercial cargo vessels and so for 20 years to collect data. But in the last few years, industry has been able to devise better sensoric that's easier to use. So we do have instrumentation that we are putting on vessels right now. Uh, but we hope that with the cooperation and collaboration in SOAP, we will get this instrument even better, uh, the attribute I just mentioned, cheaper and plug and play and so on, so that we can have more ships. And having more ships means more instruments. That means a bigger market. It means that the industry that's developing and, and manufacturing these instrumentations can have a bigger market and have an, an incentment to invest in these improvements that we just talked about. So it's going to be a self-reinforcing cycle. Right now, we are in a, in a way what we call a value of death. We have the instrumentations and so on, but very often the, the industry, you know, they are a very small series. They're selling 10, 20, 30 units per year, and that's just not the volume that you need to invest in development. What data can be collected by anyone? So there are many variables. Uh, the Global Ocean Observing System, GOOS, has defined a set of essential ocean variables, and those are our target variables. But we're going to refine that because we cannot go into all of these at, at one time. So one of our focus variables is now carbon dioxide, for the reasons I just mentioned. Uh, we need much more carbon dioxide data, probably about 10 times more than we have today in, in the surface ocean. So that by itself is, is a huge market potential. We're also going to look at microplastic, which is a huge concern. And this is also in connection with the plastic treaty that is being negotiated right now by the United Nations Environmental Agency. And the third one is probably going to having a smaller inexpensive sensors that can be used on smaller private vessels like sailing boats or motor yachts that measuring temperature and, and salinity. And how big is the invest for the ship owners? It depends on the size of the of the device, I guess. So we're going to have a portfolio of five or six different options here. You know, and the idea is, of course, that we are plug and play, so you can easily add or remove components of that, but. We are looking at the smallest inexpensive component in a few hundred euros, hopefully, and the more expensive ones that, you know, prime customers could use may actually run to, to 100,000 euros, right? That's what, what these things cost at, at the moment. And could this be a business model for the ship owners as well? Yes, we hope there's going to be some incentive in being able to sell data or even rent out the, the research space to us scientists. We could, you know, I as a scientist could go to a, a shipping company and say, well, I would like to rent this space in your engine room and put some instruments in here. It would be much more cost efficient than to take my research vessel out there. You know, the meteor costs 40,000 euros a day to operate, right? And, and <laughs> if you think about that, I could probably have an instrument on a commercial vessel for, for 10 years for that kind of money. So these are business models that Soup is developing. We are trying to create that market for ocean observing on non-scientific vessels. So we are developing business models in, in that sense. So this is something that we're thinking very hard about. What can be the incentive for ships to join us? One incentive is that they can claim, and they actually will do, they will help understanding the planet and saving the planet and, you know, Okay. You know, stopping climate change. So they can get a certificate from us that they are part of a global network. And that is, for many, an incentive, you know, that is enough. 
That's enough. So owners of shipyards, boat owners can support SOAP at this moment already? Yes, they can. So I would encourage everybody that hears it and want to contribute to go to our website, which is www.soup-platform.org. And soup is written S-O-O-P, shaping an ocean of possibilities. That's what soup stands for. So just uh, to remind this. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So it's www.soup, S-O-O-P, minus platform.earth. That's our website. And if you go to the website, you will fit some basic information about the, the platform and, and contact information, how you can contact us. And we will be very happy for any, everybody, you know, everybody that contact us and want to contribute either as a user of the data, as an operator of having an instrument or their asset, or somebody that wants to develop or refine an existing instrument that can collect this data. Wow. So these are the three pillars of soup. It's uh, developing marine tech, which is easy to use, motivating people, ship owners, shipyards, whoever who wants to contribute and providing a data platform. Exactly. Those are the three pillars. And in addition to that, we have a, a big area of you know, innovation support, incubators and so on uh, that support the whole activities. But those are the three pillars of soup. Soup, uh, Shaping an Ocean of Possibility for Science Industry Collaboration, is funded by the Helmholtz Association and uh, the Federal Ministry of Science and Education. And we were able to, to win this grant in a hard competition from many Helmholtz centers, and uh, one out of three that got funded in the end. And we are very excited to, to be the only platform in the area of Earth and Environment in Helmholtz that, that is, is part of the innovation platforms. And uh, your task is it to create the structures of this platform and to enable this way of collecting data? Yes, exactly. We have gone through a pilot phase, I would say, in the, in the science the last 20 years and, and proven that it can be done. Now we are in a scale-up phase. We want to make this operational and, and scaling up for societal benefits. So, so that is our task, to create the structures that we can handle thousands of ships that, that send us data. And also we can support the industry that's going to be able to scale up the productions, you know, from a few tens of units to maybe a few hundreds of units per year. So this is our task, to create that whole structure from the availability of instrumentation to the supply of data. You just mentioned the the last 20 years when you have proven that it's uh, possible to gain data. How did it all begin? So it started, you know, maybe 20 years ago when, when scientists put instrumentation on on commercial vessels to measure carbon dioxide, for instance. These were typically relatively big and bulky instrumentation and needed a little bit of tweaking and, and, and sometimes the scientist was going on the ship and so on. The technology has developed and so now they are getting more and more, they're getting better, they're getting easier to use and we don't need to maintain them, they can go alone, right? And And eventually industry decided or thought about maybe we can make the instrumentation so easy to use and so robust that it can be put on sailboats. So a particular company here in Kiel developed a system that has been used on sailboats. And I think it really took off with the Volvo Ocean Race 2017-18, where I was able to get a small grant from Kiel to 
to to use Sensoric on two of the vessels that race around the world in cooperation with Volvo Cars and the Volvo Ocean Race. And in the end, this was a, a really great combination of actors and we put up, you know, this project. And in the end, we had really good data and a really good outreach component, which I thought was very important. We had, you know, we had hundreds of millions on online click. The way we explained why is the ocean important? And I thought that was really fantastic. And during the race, they collected data, Boris Herrmann and all the other guys on their sailboats. Yes, Boris came in later. He didn't participate in the in that edition of the Volvo Ocean Race. He did that in, in this current edition that just ended half a year ago, where he collected data. Uh, so I think that during that uh, race 2017-18, I gave a lecture at Geomar to the public about how we work with sailors high competitive ocean racers to collect data. And after the lecture, a young man and, and his wife came up to me afterwards and he basically said, hey, my name is Boris. I have a boat. I want to be part of this. <laughs> and I said, that's great. Let's go and, 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 you know, eat and drink a coffee and talk about it. And then it kind of developed to, I would say friendship, but also a very great collaboration over many years. And now Boris has sailed at least twice around the world with instrumentation on board. Wow. What a, what a story. What a development. Yes, it's fantastic. And of course, Boris has been talking to his buddies and many of his buddies in, in the, in the Imoka scene and others have actually also bought instrumentation. So we have a small fleet now of offshore racing yachts that have that kind of instrumentation now. Great. So, and now uh, you work on the structures of soap and soon many, many boats out there on the oceans will be equipped with marine tech and will collect data and will contribute. Yes, that is what we hope. That is the whole aim of the innovation platform. Toste, thank you for sharing this with us and for giving us a deep dive of this new ocean of possibilities. Thank you for having me, Barbara. It's been my pleasure. This was today's podcast episode. I talked to Toste Tanua, chemist and oceanographer at Geoma Helmholtz Center for Ocean Research Kiel and coordinator of the innovation platform Soup, Shaping an Ocean of Possibilities. I highly recommend subscribing to this podcast so you won't miss any new episode. And thanks for a quick review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Bye. Technology and the Sea. Fascination Marine Technology. A podcast by Bärbel Feening in cooperation with the German Association for Marine Technology, GMT. GMT.